Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the one unforgivable sin. It's a beautiful Happy beautiful day. Yes, today is beautiful day. November 20th is a day to celebrate beauty. There's a lot of stuff that isn't beautiful in the world, right? And I think it's great that there's a day set aside to celebrate beauty. There's a lot of things to be thankful for, a lot of beauty, so do your part to add some beauty to your day and appreciate all the beautiful around you. It's always there if you look for it. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and I'm coming to you from beautiful Riverside, California. Podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. And by the way, I want to congratulate you on your commitment to reading the Word with me every day. A lot of people start out on a Bible reading plan but fail to complete it. And I know that listening to a daily podcast isn't always easy, but by being here, you're showing that you're serious about reading the entire Word of God. I commend you, and I believe God will bless your commitment. Hang in there. It'll be August before you know it. Today, we're going to read Mark 3 and 4, and I'm calling the episode Terror on the High Seas. Let's get to it. Mark chapter 3. Now he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a paralyzed hand. In order to accuse him, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. He told the man with a paralyzed hand, Stand before us. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do what is good or to do what is evil, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. After looking around at them with anger and sorrow at the hardness of their hearts, he told the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea, and a large crowd followed from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, so the crowd would not crush him. Since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, those possessed fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God, and he would strongly warn them not to make him known. Then he went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He also appointed twelve. He also named them apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gave the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee, and to his brother John, he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him, because they said, 
He's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul in him, and he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rebels against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is finished. On the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house and rob his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he will rob his house. I assure you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they may blaspheme. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Because they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who were sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Mark chapter 4 Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? 
For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Today I've got comments on both chapters 3 and 4. Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29 says, I assure you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they may blaspheme. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Well, beloved, this passage receives a lot of attention. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the one unforgivable sin. So what is it? People worry about that. Let's talk about it. To answer the question, let's first put these three verses into context. The scribes had just said of Jesus, He has Beelzebul in him, and He drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So, here Jesus has been performing miracles, healing people, casting demons out of people, and forgiving people. And the scribes said that He did that by the power of Satan. Jesus' answer to their accusation was, of course, perfect. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rebels against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is finished. So in saying this, Jesus was pointing out to them that Satan would never work against himself. And then next he gave them an illustration or a parable. He said, On the other hand, no one can enter a strong man's house and rob his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he will rob his house. In this parable, Satan is the strong man guarding what belongs to him. Jesus was saying, I am not in league with Satan. 
I'm demonstrating that I'm stronger than he is. So by casting demons out of people, Jesus was taking from Satan what belonged to him one life or one soul at a time. As one commentator said, there is nothing in our life that must stay under Satan's domination. So Jesus binds the strong man and plunders his house. Now let's get back to answering the question at hand. What is blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at what the Holy Spirit's ministry is. Jesus tells us in John 15, 26, When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. The Counselor is the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Well, in John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. So, the Holy Spirit is who tells us the truth about Jesus. He lives on us, and He testifies to our heart that Jesus is who He says He is. Well, by blaspheming the Holy Spirit, a person is in the sorrowful state of rejecting Jesus. If a person continually rejects Jesus, they are rejecting the forgiveness that is only available through Jesus. It's not that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is too big a sin to be forgiven, it's that this person has cut off the only way that he or she can be forgiven. Commentator H.A. Ironside put it this way, These words were never intended to torment anxious souls honestly desiring to know Christ, but they stand out as a blazing beacon warning of the danger of persisting in the rejection of the Spirit's testimony of Christ until the seared conscience no longer responds to the gospel message. Beloved, this is a sin that puts terror into my heart when I hear someone reject Jesus. What gives me hope is that until that person draws their last breath, there is hope that their eyes will be opened, and that hope spurs me on to redouble my prayers for them. I don't know when God gives up on trying to woo someone to himself, so I pray for that lost soul until their heart is softened or until I draw my last breath. And now let's talk a little bit about chapter 4. Jesus and the disciples were on the lake, and Jesus went below to take a nap. And then the storm came up, and the disciples came to wake Jesus because they were afraid of the storm at sea. They were afraid for their lives. They were panicked. So when they went to wake him up, what happened? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Do you still have no faith? And then what does the scripture say next? It says, And they were terrified. Do you remember a few days ago I talked about how we take God the Father too lightly because of the grace we receive from Jesus' shed blood? Well, here we have the disciples who have spent a great deal of time with Jesus, and one would assume they knew him fairly well by now. And they were terrified. It doesn't say they were afraid. It doesn't say they were panicked. They were terrified when Jesus calmed the storm. I don't know about you, but I usually think of the disciples at this point in their education from Jesus as just not having as good an understanding of who Jesus is as I do. I know that sounds presumptive, and I'm sure it is, but hear me out. I had a conversation with a fellow Christian once, and in our conversation he brought up this parable. And in our discussion, he pointed out that at first, the disciples were terrified of the storm. But when Jesus calmed the storm with just his word, they were terrified of him. 
And that got me to thinking. I usually think of Jesus as being generally soft-spoken and easygoing. Strong, yes, but not someone with an intimidating demeanor. Certainly not someone to engender terror. But maybe I have it wrong. I must have it wrong, don't you think? I mean, if the disciples who lived with him were terrified, maybe there is something about Jesus that I've overlooked. And of course, (laughs) there is. Jesus is not just a man. Jesus is God. He's fully human and fully God. And since that's true, Jesus has every bit of power that God the Father has and is just as offended by my sin as the Father is. And talk about power. Colossians 1.17 says that Jesus holds all creation together. All creation. Think of that. Without the power of Jesus, all of creation, you, me, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, all creation would come apart. The only reason I'm here is because he allows it. And if I'm honest with myself, I should be just a little bit terrified of him as well. It is only because of his unfathomable love that the terror I should feel is balanced with the peace that passes all understanding that he gives to me. He has promised that because I have placed my faith in him, I have been adopted into his family, and I am secure and safe today, tomorrow, and all the tomorrows to follow. I can rest in that, and I do. But I also have a new appreciation for the unmeasurable, infinite, and awesome power of my Savior. What about you? Comment at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e82. Or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com or go to comment.lifespringmedia.com and put your comment in there. I'd love to hear what you think about this. Tomorrow we're going to read 1 Corinthians 7 and 8. On this date in church history, November 20th, 1850, Francis Jane, or Fanny Crosby, blind from the age of six months, became a Christian at the age of 30. Fifteen years later, she began writing the first of more than, get this, 8,000 devotional verses. And many of these remain popular today as hymns, including Blessed Assurance, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, Rescue the Perishing, and Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross. And on my show, Lifespring Hymn Stories, I talked about several of Fanny Crosby's songs. You might like to hear them. I will have the links to those episodes of the Lifespring Family Audio Bible on today's show notes page. LifespringMedia.com slash S12E82. Prayer Requests We need to continue to pray for Kathy. She's far from out of the woods with her current bout with cancer. Uh, She's at City of Hope today. Uh, I understand that they're changing some of her meds. And so please keep Kathy in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, on this beautiful day, we thank you for all the beauty that you've created. Yes, the world is groaning from the effects of sin, but still there is much beauty that you've created around us, and we thank you. I can't wait to see what it'll be like when you create a new heaven and a new earth when we'll see your creation the way you intended it. I pray for Kathy right now, Lord, and ask that you would continue healing her. Thank you for the progress you've brought about in her to this point, and I ask that you would give her a complete healing in Jesus' name. 
And I pray for the LifeSpring family, Lord. I thank you for each one and ask that you would encourage them to hang in there for the duration of this season. I pray that you would use your word to reveal more of yourself to us and that you would use us to bring people into the kingdom. Meet our needs today, Lord, in your perfect way. And we'll thank you. And Lord, I pray for the new little web baby that you're forming even now. Keep him or her healthy as they grow, Lord, and help Tim and Val to raise them up to love and serve you. This baby is in your hands, and I know that there's not a better place to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And by the way, beloved, if you'd like to see a picture of Tim and Val as they're announcing that they're expecting, I'll put a picture up on the show notes page if you'd like to see their happy faces. And if you've got a prayer request or a praise, go to prayer.lifespringmedia.com and you'll find where you can enter all your information there. If you'd like to remain anonymous, that's not a problem. Tell somebody about the show, would you? Share it on all your socials. And if you'd like to help with the show art, I'd love to have your help. Please go to lifespringmedia.com art and find out the details. And I hope you're enjoying the end-of-show music I've been sharing with you lately. I won't be doing it every day, but it just so happens that I do have an appropriate song again for today. Today is Beautiful Day, and this is a song from Olwen Ringrose. She's someone I met from England a few years ago. Uh, I haven't met her in person, but we did have a brief phone conversation a few years back. I've played her music many times on my shows and just love her voice. The name of the song is Beautiful One. I'll have a link on the show notes page if you'd like to support her music. So until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Add some beauty to your day. Ship.